horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. All right. Thank you so much for joining us on another edition of Winning Ponies. We're all kind in the uh, hold segment of uh, Thoroughbred Racing right now as we see what's going to happen in the next two weeks. Yes, can you believe that? Two weeks away from the Kentucky Oaks and the Kentucky Derby. So now's the time to kind of get the feel for uh, what could potentially we see it every year, you know. Uh, Sometimes it's one of the favorites. Sometimes it's a bubble horse uh, where something happens along the way. They, They catch a little cough they they find a little problem uh, w- w- with a shoeing or a hoof who knows but we've seen it practically every year a lot can happen between now and two weeks from now so we will we'll find out but right now we're just sitting tight and getting ready and watch the stories as they do develop all the major preps are over and we've brought in two people to talk about some of those major preps and first out of the box will be none other than Matt Burns here. Uh, you may recall I picked up on Matt many moons ago when he was fresh off the set of Horse Players, which was a great television show. It's too bad that they didn't continue on with it. But to watch him as the young up-and-counter, up-and-comer with with all the veteran horse players, and it was just, it was really neat to see him bring something new, vibrant, and fresh to the game. Well, got to know Matt over the years. Uh, Now we see him on air. He's been on many of the major broadcasts. I think the last one I saw, he was at the Saudi cup and then uh this week, in particular, his show, the Matt Bernier Show, please, please, please go to it on YouTube, subscribe, whatever. It's it's really good. Matt's presence has really grown uh, with the show over the sea. His comfort le- level is just perfect right now. And uh, so go and check it out because uh, he'll do usually two things. Uh, earlier in the week, he'll uh, preview what happened the week before, uh, any surprises. Uh, any predictions, uh, things that happen, and uh, g- give his feelings about it. And then you got to listen, you got to look to see what may or may not happen later in the week. And we'll get with Matt on that because his schedule's eight, folks. It's the internet, it's flexible. So Matt Bernier will be with us first uh, to, to look at so, some of the big races of, of the season. And then a lot of the big races have happened in Hot Springs at Oaklawn Park. So who better to bring in than Nancy? Yuri Holthus, uh, who uh, is just a fantastic uh, broadcaster, analyst. Uh, obviously, she has uh, roots that go back into racing. She's no str- stranger to the backstretch. And she's got uh, possibly the uh, fullest field as far as class goes that we've seen in a while. And that's a big statement. But when you have a an abbreviated field going for a million dollars. Perhaps the horses thinking about entering their fillies or mares saw the name of Champion Latruska, a winner of over 2.3 million in there, and ran. Well, I'll tell you who didn't run. And that's the top champion sprinter, CeCe, who won the Breeders' Cup uh, Philly and Mare Sprint last year. 
and uh, likes to contest st- uh, the pace or stay near it. Obviously, it, uh, her seven furlong ability, well proven. She'll be asked to stretch out to a mile of 16th, which she has done successfully and has won well over a half a million dollars. Also, she likes Oak Lawn Park, so she's willing to go in the gate against Latruska, as is Clarier. Now, Clarier only made one start so far this season, as many of them have, and uh, it was a bang-up race and a nice optional claimer that Steve Asmussen found. Who trains the, the offspring of Curlin better than Steve? And so Clary Air, certainly not one to be dismissed, can rally from off it. So we'll see what happens with Latruska and CC up front. Could that set it up for Clary Air? Well, we've got Nancy very Holthus to come and answer that. Also, really solid handicap race in the Oaklawn handicap. So, Nancy will be coming on. So, uh, those are our two lead handicappers. Now, let's see what else I've got in the bag of tricks here. I've been moving things around. Let's bring up this and uh, t- take a look at... Uh, some of the stories that have popped up this week. Of course, I'm looking right now for uh, our uh, our homepage at Winning Ponies, and because uh, we did again, we're coming up on the time of the year where all the pools are going to be very inflated, and this is going to be your chance to really make a big bet if you want. It'll just get buried in with the others. So, uh, recent winners uh, that we've had uh, just earlier today at Laurel, we had a $1 super high five that paid over $1,300. Down in Florida, we hit them at Tampa uh, three, uh, sorry, six days ago uh, for a $1 super five that paid over $1,400. And at Gulfstream, a $1 super five that paid over $1,600. So, keep an eye out, folks. We got Indiana Grand, big hit at Mahoning. Don't trust me. Nobody else does. Go ahead and come on over to winningponies.com. You can check it out and uh, see for yourself what our selections were and what our batting average has been. So uh, with that, let's take a look at some other news of the week. This very sad. This horse, the best, uh, I don't know, place show bet in the country. Uh, Sad to say, will no longer be with us. Midnight Bourbon. Yes, the horse that was always there. Winner of last year's Grade Three Lacomp Stakes, runner-up in the Preakness and the Run Happy Travers. He died suddenly at Churchill Downs, um, and so far, you know, they're sending it for full uh, necropsy or whatever that word I always mispronounces. And uh, so Asmussen does want to find out, but what we understand right now is an acute gastrointestinal situation something you have in cincinnati a lot with all the skyline chili but nonetheless midnight bourbon i mean you think about a stacked resume uh, you, those second places i already mentioned he, he, you know he also had a second in the grade one pennsylvania derby the grade two louisiana derby third in the grade one champagne the clark the risen star came within a neck of defeating champion essential quality and a great race that the Travers that was. And uh, think about this in his brief career on track, 16 starts, two wins, six seconds, five thirds with earnings of over $3.5 million. 
dollars. So uh, certainly he 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 will be missed. And uh, let's see, we've got another horse that uh, I wanted to tell you about, but we'll see if that disappeared too. Uh, anyhow, it was uh, uh, the great Zippy Chippy who lost one hundred races in a row. <laughs> Uh, 31 years old. He lived out his happy days, uh, as as so many have, um, at, at old friends' farms. So, uh, uh, you know, uh, Zippy Chippy, glad that it, he was taken care of right up and, and to the end. Uh, and again, uh, so sorry to, to hear about Midnight Bourbon's passing because yeah, he would have also made a damn good sire. How about this? Larry Jones, it had to happen someday, he's going to end his 40-year career as a public trainer. He's 65 now, says he wants to cut back on his travel and is going to base uh, year-round in Kentucky with Cindy. Uh, just he and a few private personal uh, partners are, are going to uh, stay on I me. Mean, think about it. Back in 2011, Arvada Garras was named Horse of the Year uh, for Rick Porter. Um, you know, he started back in 1980, but then um, he, he, uh, he championed Proud Spell. He won the Kentucky Oaks three times. Proud Spell, Lovely Maria um, were the, the two others. Um, and uh He's such a down-home, wonderful person to be around. Thank God he's not galloping his horses anymore. He took a couple head injuries that I know he can't uh, afford to do anymore. But nonetheless, uh, he's going to cut back and take it easy and stay closer to his home in Henderson, Kentucky. Well, last week we took a look with our friend Ed Meyer at the races at uh, at Keeneland, and I must say, went down Saturday. Uh, the day started a tad chilly, and then just got better and better and better as the day went on. It was a fantastic day. Uh, the press box filled with well, many uh, regular guy uh, regulars. Uh, Byron King from the Blood Horse was there. Uh, Marty McGee, uh, Jenny Reese. I'm probably missing a few people. A lot of great photographers. But it was so great to see everybody again. You know, it's almost been a, a two-year hiatus since everybody got out. But the races themselves, like I said, they got better and better as the day went on. Now, the eighth race was, was very special. The winner was Campanelle, uh, an Irish bred in the hands of Wes Ward, uh, who won the Queen Mary. Now, this was back in 2020 at Ascot. So, obviously, has, has had some problems along the way. Uh, raced three times in 2021. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, with one Keeneland start and then two over in Europe. And then uh Came back in October this year at Keeneland and just missed in the Breeders' Cup turf. So, uh, that was the grade three, the, the, the Keeneland race. So, uh, anyhow, it was so really cool to see Campanelle. Uh, Barbara Banke from Stone Street was there, and the horse was just a really, really Im Im impressive winner. Uh, then we moved on. Uh, to the uh, Lexington that had Derby points, and I expect to see Tawny Point, 
Brad Cox, trainee, won pretty impressively down there at Keeneland in the Stone Street, Lexington. Got derby points, grade three, but nothing earth earth shattering for sure. And uh, let's see, we did the Giants Causeway, we did the Lexington. And how about ending the day with the Jenny Wiley? What a great race. Chad Brown trainees, one, two. At the last nod, Regal Glory went off the slight favorite and got the job done at the wire over stablemate Shantasera. Excellent race. And Chad Brown on the grass with an Ortiz in the saddle. Need I say much more? All right, that closes out the national news, what we could fit in. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be with the uh, first uh, person of the hour, none other than Matt Bernier. I'm John Engelhart, and you're listening to Winning Ponies. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. And now, one of my favorite people that you will ever find on YouTube, and quite frankly, he's a real gentleman to meet in public. Put your hand out, he'll shake it for you. Okay, I think now that the COVID stuff's over, he will for sure. But Matt Bernier, when I first uh, got him to come on our airwaves, it was shortly after his uh, stint in Horse Players, a show I wish never ended. If you're a racetracker, you loved it. But he stood out. He was kind of the youngest guy in the crowd, kind of on his own. Some of these other people had little mini cartels going on and uh but matt was just great and he came on with us after horse players then he starts showing up with the daily racing form and dan illman then i look at some major television shows and he's on air giving his selections out there and that all kind of morphed uh, into one of the projects he has going on now and that's the matt bernier show which i i i, I 
I'm not going to ask for any legal reasons. I'm just going to play a clip a little bit later after I bring Matt on. But uh, Matt, thanks so much for joining us. I greatly appreciate it. I guess one of the things we're going to do a little bit later in the show after I ask you some questions is maybe look at the Oaks field because I think we've all kind of OD'd on the Derby a little. Yeah, of course. And, John, thanks for having me on again. It's, it's always good to talk to you. But, uh, I mean, look, this is that time of year where we're all – it's Derby and Oaks all the time. And, unfortunately, I feel like the Oaks gets a little bit of short shrift. But of all years, uh, to me, the Oaks this year, this is it could potentially be an historic one. I think you've got Phillies that are legitimately – of that upper echelon, that sort of rarefied air that, you know, we could be looking back two or three years from now and saying there are multiple horses who could end up being Hall of Famers out of there. So everybody's talking about the Derby, but I think the Oaks deserves a fair share as well. All right, we'll tap the brakes there. There's some questions I need to ask you, okay? Because I looked sure. at I looked at your bio that we have on file, and it's like, wow, this thing's outdated. First of all, you, you no longer live in Massachusetts, right? Correct. I actually live in southern Maine, uh, just over the border. We joke about it. The town that I live in might as well be Boston North, because many people from Boston, this is where they come when they want to get out of the city. So I, I'm in southern Maine now. <laughs> and are you still still in the realty business part-time or full-time? I don't know. No, no. I, I, I hung those, those shoes up a long, long time ago. Before I moved down to New York to work for the racing form, uh, I, I kind of pulled the plug on that. It's something that you know, especially in this day and age, I don't know how it is for you guys there sort of in the Midwest area, but the the market here where I live is still out of control. And um, it, it's one of those things that my wife will look at me every once in a while and go, you sure you don't want to at least dip a toe back into that area? Because <laughs> things are selling for astronomical amounts. We bought our home almost two years ago, and it's gone up something crazy like 80% in value in a matter awesome. of two years. And it's not like we did anything crazy. It's just that the, the inventory is so low right now. It's incredible. All right. Now, the last time I saw you on, on television, uh, you were looking at me from Saudi Arabia. Arabia, tell me about the trip if you can. Yeah, I went out to Saudi Arabia for the Saudi Cup. Um, it was a really intriguing sort of just proposition to go out there and check out things and, you know, not only from a racing standpoint, but to look at a different part of the world that I otherwise wouldn't have an opportunity to go and explore. And, you know, while you're out there working, you don't have a great opportunity to really go and truly check out a number of different spots. But um, I think it's always enlightening to take a look at the way folks live in areas of the world or areas of the country even that you don't live in, uh, to, to be able to take a look and see what sort of the day-to-day -day aspects are. And, and going over there, it was a really enlightening experience. Um, for the most part, you know, look, again, putting politics aside, whatever your thoughts are in general, um, it was just a really interesting experience to be able to go over there, see how things are done, and take in what – you know, I joked about it afterward when I got back home. The the result itself in the Saudi Cup was one that felt almost as if it was made for TV. You could not have cooked up a better scenario. And I don't know if the TV broadcast did it justice, but I haven't been at a racetrack in a long time that had that kind of atmosphere where the fans were in such a frenzy because Emblem Road was the one who went on and won, and he was one of the local horses. Um, quite frankly, the, the, I, I, probably the nearest thing to that in my mind would have been when American Pharaoh lost at Saratoga in the Travers. I mean, it was truly that sort of, you look around and go, what just happened? 
it was it was an incredible experience. Well, it's it's great to hear hear you hear you say that the enthusiasm because I think that's one of the things that that you bring to the game. Let's face it, Matt. We got too many guys at the racetrack that look like me, and not enough guys at the racetrack that look like you. Now I'm going to take a quick segue here, off to the Matt Bernier show. It, it I I couldn't believe when I you know I, I try to keep up with it as, as much as I can, and all of a sudden I look down and I see episode one twelve. My God, how time flies! Now I I can just I I've watched you develop your your you don't have a particular style uh, j- other than your honesty and uh, how you've really gotten into a comfort zone right now Matt not that you weren't ever not in one but folks l- listen to this this is a cut from this week's show and I'm going to tell you you're going to learn a lot more about the Oaks going to this show than you will listening to me but if if this works it'll be the first time here we go. Matt, I just don't know in your first week of broadcasting that would have flown out of your mouth so easily. But you seem to have really created or or just over time and experience a, a really nice comfort zone that you are who you are and it comes across that way. Well, you know, the thing for me is I just I don't think it does any good to just sort of go with the flow if you don't truly believe it. And you know, I, I don't want to go out there. I certainly don't want to be disrespectful. I don't want to knock anyone. Um, and, you know, I, I think certain people take things the wrong way. If you talk about a certain horse and you say they don't belong here, or they don't really fit in here, it doesn't mean that they're not a good horse. It's just it's all relative. I mean, if we're talking about the best of the best, if I don't think a horse fits, I don't think a horse fits. And it's not meant as a slight. It's just that's an opinion. And, and you know what? The beautiful thing is we all have opinions. I've been wrong a million times. I've been right a few times. I'll be right a few more. I'll be wrong a million more. But I think you just need to kind of lean into that and say, look, this is – I think you'd be doing a disservice if you weren't being honest. And and to me, I, I don't I don't think there's anything really to gain by just going out there – you know, and giving some folks some lip service that that isn't truly what you believe, especially in an atmosphere like this. No, I, I just think it's great. And again, you know, uh, by the way, uh, I'm, there's no payola here. I'm telling everybody, go yeah, check check out Matt and uh, all, all the good people on the in, in the Money Media Network. Uh, it, they're good to listen to. They're straight shooters. And the main thing is they give you something to think about. No one guy has all the answers. But go out, listen to other people, and then draw from those uh, that input what, what you can. Now, the one thing that I got uh, – from you on this, I guess there's the the believers and the non-believers in in Echo Zulu. As now we're talking about oak sources, and and then there is just the sensational, though I expect nothing less in his career, job that Shug McGahey has done with Kathleen O. I mean, those are the two. Uh, for starting, I'd like you to address, and the third, obviously, would be Secret Oath. Well, so Echo Zulu, the, the interesting thing for me is, if you look at her two-year-old form, if she replicates that, she doesn't even need to improve off of it, but if she replicates it, she is right there, especially because of her tactics. She is a horse that likes to be forward, likes to go out there and cut out the fractions, 
And if we're being honest, from a speed standpoint, when you take a look at the pace of the race, many of the horses that figure to run early are not necessarily the most talented, possibly with the exception of her. The problem is the fairgrounds race that she ran in, she was all out to get the job done. I'm not going to hold that part against her. The problem I had is the race was significantly slower than what she was doing as a two-year-old. And we've talked about it. You know, many folks have brought it up on different platforms, but Phillies don't always bring their form back from two to three. And I think you need to think long and hard before you take a short price on a Philly. Granted, she is she's made. She's already a grade one winner. She's a champion already. But you got to think long and hard about taking a short price on a horse that perhaps has not improved from two to three. Kathleen O, I think the thing that I am most intrigued with with her, tactically, I don't know that I love the idea of her having to pass the majority of the field. But for her to run the way that she has, to earn the figures that she has already, for a trainer like Shug McGahee, who doesn't put horses in spots he doesn't think they belong, and for a three-year-old to do what she's done, to be as lightly raced as she is, and to win the way that she has at a track like Gulfstream Park, when theoretically her running style should not be suited for that racetrack. I, I think that speaks volumes to her ability. I think she deserves to be the favorite in the Kentucky Oaks. I'm not saying she should be two to one, uh, but I do think she should be the betting favorite when all is said and done. I think it's a fantastic race. Uh, and the funny thing is, having said that, neither of them would be the horse that I would pick. Secret Oath, I love her. I think she's really talented. I had someone plant a seed in my head, and I can't help but think that there might actually be something to it that perhaps she doesn't want to go this far. Because I've talked about her, the way that she runs. She actually has a turn of foot on dirt, which I think turn of foot on dirt is actually a bit of a misnomer. Typically, dirt racing, it's a matter of how fast are you slowing down or how slow are you slowing down. Whereas with turf racing, a turn of foot to me is actually accelerating at the end of the run. Secret Oath on the far turn genuinely has a turn of foot where she accelerates, but she seems it seems to be a quick burst. And you got to time it perfectly, but that also makes me wonder if a mile and an eighth is actually going to be sort of to her hindrance as opposed to be a benefit to her. If that's the case, if I don't know that I want Kathleen O at a short price, Echo Zulu's got questions, Secret Oath, I don't know if she wants to go this far. I land on Nest for Todd Pletcher. I, I think she is an up-and-coming type. I loved what she did as a two-year-old. She just wasn't particularly fast. Until that Ashland at Keeneland a couple weeks ago, I thought she was spectacular. She looked as good as she's ever looked. She earned figures that stack up comparably with some of her contemporaries. And if I can get sort of that four or five to one price on the first Friday in May, uh, I think I think Nest is the horse that I would be going with right now. You know, if you're listening to Matt, folks, what he's telling you is uh, not, not not who's who's the who's the most likely favorite, but who brings you the most value of which, if you go back to this week's show, he's very clear about that. Not that I had a question, but obviously some people that like to chirp in on the Twitter verse or whatever, uh, man, I don't, I don't get how they don't understand the difference between a value line and a morning line. It's pretty simple to me. Yeah, and, you know, I, I feel bad when I can kind of harp on it from time to time. But but when so many people bring up things and they say, well, there's no way this horse is going to be the price that you laid out, I go, that that to me is a clear indication that 
there's a bit of a disconnect in what I'm trying to portray versus perhaps what the reader or the listener or the viewer is interpreting. And to your point, a value line is just that. It's what I would be willing to bet the horse to win at. That doesn't mean that I think they're going to go off at that price. And I've had some people come back to me and they go, well, it doesn't look like you're going to be making any win bets based on the prices. And I said, you know what? That is entirely possible. Um, I, I know it's not the sort of the sexy opinion, but the Kentucky Oaks and the Kentucky Derby, as much as we all love them, they are just another race. And if you don't get fair value on whatever your opinion may be, my advice would be to pass the race. Sit back, watch it, have a cocktail, enjoy it. But that doesn't mean that you absolutely have to make a bet. And if you want to put some funny money out there, go right ahead. If you want to have a little bit of action, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're trying to make a legitimate wager where you're going through, you're putting in your time, you're putting in your thoughts, and you're trying to weigh, are you getting the best of it from a pricing standpoint? Don't just settle just to settle on the horse that you like. If the price isn't there, don't make a proper prime bet. And that's all I'm trying to convey when I do these sort of exercises. I know I'm opening myself up to, to folks that disagree with the philosophy or just don't understand it. But I think the bigger picture is, and the same goes for sports betting in general or any betting, frankly, you should only be putting your money in when you feel like you're getting an edge or an advantage. Don't just put it in just to put it in, because that's a surefire way to go broke in the long run. <laughs> like you said, just turn the page, go on to the next race. You know, you know if you're you're here to uh, make money, nobody's holding a gun to your head to bet the uh, Kentucky Derby or the Oaks. Well, it uh, looks like I got two more minutes left with you, Matt, and I would know that you're going to be way too busy uh, in the days ahead for me to chime in on your Derby picks, though I will be going to the Matt Bernier show uh, at, to, to uh, catch up with it, but real fingernail sketch i i i know that it it, it does sound like you, you you're pretty high on a horse as close to my heart because i watched him grow up about 40 miles from my house and, and that's uh Taba. yeah i mean look for, for me i've kind of narrowed it down to two and i know that sounds a little silly we don't know the post draw or anything like that but for me barring the one draw I don't really mind, even if you drew the far outside in the 20. The two horses that I think are the most likely winners of the race are Epicenter and Taba. Purely from a talent standpoint, I think you can make a case that Taba is a special talent. When I say special, I mean kind of of that rarefied air, whether it is an American Pharaoh or a Justify or an Arrowgate, or if you think about some of the big fillies that we've seen over the years, a Beholder or a Zenyatta or a Rachel, just based on what he's done in two starts, I'm also open to the idea that he could be a flash in the pan, and perhaps he doesn't pan out down the road. But what he's done in two starts, he gives off every indication that he could be a special type. I I'll be very curious to see how he handles a stretch out from six furlongs to a mile and a quarter in a matter of eight weeks. It's a lot for any horse. For an older horse, that would be a lot. Never mind a three-year-old. I think the most well-rounded horse, period, point blank, end of story, is Epicenter. There's really no knock for me. He's beaten good fields. He's versatile. He's run and won at a mile and three-sixteenths already. The extra sixteenth of a mile won't be an issue. I love the connections. Everybody around Asmussen, Joel Rosario, you name it. Um, I mean, I think Epicenter is the most likely winner of the Kentucky Derby the first Saturday in May, but for me, it's down to those two. Everybody else, I think, is running for second or third. 
Wow. Matt Bernier, thanks a lot. I know you're going to be a very busy man in the days ahead, and <laughs> I wish you nothing but the best, my friend. And I'll be looking for you. Who knows? You might pop up around Preakness time. We'll keep an eye out on the old TV set to see if, see if you're there. But either way, thanks so much. want to tell everybody uh, episode 112 is aired right now in the Money Media Network. Real quick, uh, Matt, uh, is there definitive show dates, or do you kind of stay a little flexible on that yeah so i I usually post the podcast on mondays Uh, i'll record it they either go up late monday or early tuesday if you listen whether it's on your phone or your computer or whatever or you watch over on youtube um that's typically the schedule going forward you alluded to it i won't be at the derby uh for personal reasons the goal is to be back for the preakness but um We'll wait and see how things shake out. But, yeah, typically you're looking at Mondays, the, the, the show, the podcast goes up. All right, Matt. Best of luck to everything. Thanks so much for joining us here on Winning Ponies. All right, John. Anytime. All right. Up next, Nancy Yuri holthus from beautiful Hot Springs, Arkansas. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today. Today's hot topics. Streaming live, the leader in Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll free. 1-866-472-5788 or send us an email at show at winningponies.com John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right. Well, just want to let you know when you turn on your broadcast of Oak Lawn Park and uh, you see uh, the the pre-race show and uh, that pretty face looking at you. Let me tell you, Nancy Yuri Holthus is not just a pretty face. Uh, I mean, albeit she is that. But listen to the homework she does, not just on the big graded races that have been all over their schedule this year, but on every race of the day, she's one of the hardest working women in in the horse business. And I just can't believe 
that as nice as you are at, at one time in your life, you were actually assigning stalls at Hollywood Park. Did I get that right? You know what? That was probably one of my most fun jobs in my almost 30 years of horse racing, believe it or not. <laughs> That's a thankless job, too, by the way. Right. Yeah, I was stallman for nearly 10 years at uh, Hollywood Park, and I loved it. I was called every name in the book, everything but a white woman at some point during those 10 years, but I loved that job. Yeah, I mean, everybody needs a couple extra stalls for the horse that's coming from the farm or the <laughs> pony they're breaking to work in the afternoon. Yep. And can't you just squeeze me one more in? And it's like, hey, I've only got 1,300 stalls or make up a number, you know? And it's like, I'm sorry, you know? And it's got to be I tough, I need another too. tack room. Yeah, yeah. Every, you give them an inch, they, they take a mile. But you know what? It was – that was by far one of my most – favorite experiences in the sport and a beautiful track. Uh, she will always be in my heart. Well, all right. Well, we're talking with Nancy Uri Holthus, the former stall attendant at Hollywood Park, uh, asking her about how frustrating it is, especially when the big guys guys come in and try to slip her a hundred bucks for a stall, and she's got to say, "Nah, baby, nah." Well, you know? that never happened. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't. Some places are used some to. Some places, used to. but I, that didn't happen with me, fortunately. So. No, no. But uh, you really do a, a sensational job. But uh, what's what's got to be really comforting for you in, in the position you're in at Oaklawn is that you're playing on your home court. I mean, you're a native of Hot Springs, Arkansas. You know what? I am. I was born and raised right here in Hot Springs, Arkansas, and uh, Oaklawn was in my backyard. I I can remember my grandfather uh, sneaking me to, into the backside back when the Clydesdales actually pulled the starting gate. So uh, this will always be uh, Oaklawn is and will always be my all-time favorite racetrack. Some of my greatest experiences uh, are right here, just being on the backside. Uh, so some saw some of the greats uh, back in the day, but just spending time with my family back in the barn area back in the day and, you know, everything from making left-hand turns to spending seven years in the test barn, uh, I kind of cut my teeth at Oaklawn Park, and, and I will forever be grateful for every single thing that I love. Well, uh, pe people get tired of you know, listening to me because every year when you guys start up their meet, I say, look, even if you just go once, this is like Saratoga or Keeneland. It's a bucket list track that you want to go to because it, it, it's very, very unique. And the townspeople, at least the ones I all met, were really welcoming and comforting. And, man, in just a short amount of time, you felt like, well, I've lived here a long time, and you're only visiting for a week. You know, it, it, it's a great atmosphere. And even Vic Stoffer told me I was, we were talking about his early days there, and Pete Aiello also, um, how warm and welcoming the people of Hot Springs are when they find out you work at the racetrack. A lot of places they'll shun you. <laughs> here they embrace you. You know what? They really do, and. Because Oakland does so, have such a deep and rich tradition with the city of Hot Springs, uh, the the 
people of Hot Springs really do embrace it. It's kind of a, a birthright to have your first trip to the racetrack. And, you know, when, when you leave the racetrack, you know, whether you go across the street to have a drink at one of the bars or go to Rocky's Pizza or just go to one of the restaurants in the Hot Springs, TBG is on, you know, still showing the races from around the country. People are talking about the bets they made that day, whether they made a withdrawal or maybe a donation. They're still talking about the bets that they made, what they're going to do tomorrow at the racetrack, uh, who they bet on, who they might have lost. Um, but that vibe still continues. And it's so great to see because now, you know, that we started earlier in December this year and and we're running just a little bit later. We actually run a closing day this year is the day after Kentucky Derby Day. So we get to celebrate Mother's Day here at Oakland Park this year. Uh, it's, you know, it's always so bittersweet for the meet to end. But now we get don't have as long to wait for the meet to start. So it's, you know, it always gives us something to really look forward to. And the city has very much embraced it. Not only city, but the state of Arkansas and people make Oakland a destination and they come from around the country. And you hit the nail on the head, John, is that people just really do resonate to Hot Springs. Brian Bouye, who is head of communications from for the uh, National Hall of Fame Museum yeah. uh, up in Saratoga was here this past weekend and we celebrated a Hall of Fame weekend. He was in love with Hot Springs. He was like, I kind of feel like I'm in the southern Saratoga. And I said, correction, Saratoga is the northern Oakland. You know, so there's that kind of battle going back and <laughs> forth. But it really does have that feel to it where people, you know, go downtown. That You know, there's equine art everywhere. You know, there's jockey silks hanging everywhere. So it is just the whole town celebrates the vibe of horse racing and the culture of Oakland and everything in between. Well, of course, Oakland being situated where it is on the racing calendar uh, serves as as a home uh, to a lot of races that will uh, deliver horses in the starting gate for uh, for both the, the Derby and the Oaks. Uh, Nancy, want to want to have you. Uh, uh, join us in 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 discussing what I think uh, so far has been one of the best stories of the year, and that's D. Wayne Lucas. I mean, I saw him oh. last week. He, he, look, I I hope I can get out of a car when I'm 86. I hope I'm around when I'm 86, and he's still there under the tree, you know, supervising the saddling of his horse. Uh, walks yeah. with a little bit of a cane now, but he's still smiling, and people are coming up and back slapping him. And for him to all of a sudden end up, all of a sudden he's only developed it over a Hall of Fame career, but 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 to all right. of a sudden be able to uh, mold in his hand a piece of clay by the name of Secret Oath, and it, it was a ballsy move he made, taking on the boys in the Derby. He already knew she had the Oaks points, but that's that's D. Wayne Lucas, and uh, it's just kind of been a neat story, and I'm sure it has been for you being around it. You know, it has been an honor and a privilege to be around. D. Wayne during my my years at Oaklawn, and I was approached by the Nash, by Eric Hamelbeck of the National HBPA to introduce Wayne as their keynote speaker, and yeah. it, it was one of my career highlights. Just being asked 
to do that. I've hosted Wayne numerous times during Dawn at Oaklawn and have, you know, admired him for so many years. But now to have the honor to call him a friend, not only him, but also his wife, Lori, and just to see the full circle story of Secret Oath, you know, him having trained absent minded for Brylin Farms, um, it, it really does. It's that goosebump moment. Um, and he's so easy to cheer for. Um, and he's so great for the sport. And I, I was, I don't know if anybody was cheering harder for her in the Arkansas Derby um, because that was a moment that I really think the sport needed, giving all that it's going through during these times, you know, with with all the negativity, um, all that goes on on social media, but just, I think just Wayne in general is a good story. And I, he's, I hope he stays around forever. I know that's not realistic, but I think just just he being a presence right now in this moment is what we need. Well, it, it, it will be fantastic if uh, if she goes on and win the Oaks. Uh, if, if I was him, I'd just clap my hands and uh, say, okay, folks, that's it. Show's over. I just, I've already won the Kentucky Derby. I won the Kentucky Oaks. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. And we'll walk off to uh, the curtain closing and a round of applause. But it, it's a neat story, and I'm so glad uh, you, you, got, you got to be around it as you have. Oh. Now, uh, another – great story every year is is the apple blossom and i mean yeah. i just go back to you know the i could go back many many days but those people would remember the horses i remember but you know uh, the, the great azari who uh took uh, the race three times in the early 2000s and then there were there were uh, a couple other horses that uh, people might remember one that won it twice by the name of zenyatta and horse oh. of the year arveda grass um you know these are names that jump off at you and you know you bring this race brings back into town uh not only a, an amazing champion but the defending champion of the apple blossom handicap latruska now she probably scared about eight horses out of this race but let me tell you several of the horses she didn't scare out of here are legit but let's just start with Latruska's story uh and her opportunities that this will be her fifth start at oaklawn she sure seems to like the track she absolutely loves this track um her run last year was something that just made storylines across the nation, and rightfully so. The stretch run last year was one that, if it didn't bring goosebumps to you, you're not a horse fan. Because when she came down the stretch battling Monomoy Girl, it was almost like Monomoy Girl passed the torch to Latruska. I mean, it was one of the most epic battles that I can recall of recent time. I mean, it literally brought Songbird and Beholder to mind. It was that epic. Um, but just to see how amazing she turned out was 
just mind-blowing to me. And, and how humble Fausto Gutierrez was. He was almost surprised that she pulled that off, which was even just more humbling. And I vividly remember in the winner's circle, Irad Ortiz saying, because, you know, it, it, for a brief moment there, Monomoy Girl actually had a head in front going yeah. right deep, 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 you know, and just nosed her out for the win. And Irad Ortiz said in the winner's circle, when he went to the left whip, she she very, very eagerly responded. And that was what got her up for that victory. And it was just kind of like that magic moment, you know, and I think I think it took a few days for Fausto to kind of to kind of realize, you know, holy crap, I just won the apple blossom and beat Monomoy Girl because Monomoy Girl was just I mean, she was Monomoy Girl, you know, nobody yeah. was there was no way that anybody was going to beat her. But it, it really was kind of that that passing of the torch at that moment. Um, and then what she went on to do, I'm drawing a line through the Breeders' Cup. It's almost like drawing a line through the Kentucky Derby when a horse, yeah. when, when a really good horse runs bad. In my opinion, you could draw a line through the Kentucky Derby when a horse runs bad. You could draw a line through any Breeders' Cup race. And that's what I'm doing with her Breeders' Cup distaff. She obviously rebounded so beautifully in the Royal Delta at Gulfstream Park. Um, and as you mentioned, she loves Oaklawn. Uh, she's earned 713000 of her $2.3 million right here at Oaklawn Park. And she certainly favors the distance. She's won six of seven at a mile and a sixteenth. Now, you totally hit the nail on the head, John, that if she did run a couple people off. Uh, she Dares the Devil, I think, is one of them. Um, but Latruska is the speed of the speed. She's going to be the one to catch. Um, but two in the field of five are looking to become repeat winners as Cece has has come in to try to be one of those two. Uh, Latruska won it last year. Cece won it in 2020. And she's a horse for course. She is two for two at Oaklawn Park. So she ran a very, very good race uh, back in mid-March in the grade two Azari. She sat off some very, very nice fractions and came rolling at the end. She's another who is very sharp at the distance. Victor Espinoza back in for the call. And we have seen a lot of support out of California Barnes because we can still run on Lasix in these graded stakes. So that's a very, very big thing when we're seeing, you know, horses that have raced in California, not on Lasix. They come here, they get on Lasix, and it's a sometimes a difference maker. Well, and as Nancy alluded to, we know that Latruska is the speed of the speed. But CC, uh, her best performances have been a slightly shorter distances than a mile and a sixteenth. I mean, she became the, uh, uh, the the Philly and Mare Sprint champion off her Breeders' Cup victory. So I wonder, because she's coming in fresh off the win in the Azari in a tough race, and we know Latruska, I, I just wonder if those two attended themselves on the front end, could that potentially open it up for a first-time visitor to Oaklawn Park in the one point $3 million Asmussen trained baby, Clary Air, who clearly likes to do her running late. Yeah, she certainly is no slouch. I mean, say, for example, looking at her Breeders' Cup distaff, she broke 
11th. She broke last in that field. She was more than a dozen lengths. And talk about coming late. She bowled like a freight train. She ran fourth, but beaten less than a length after coming seven wide. Now, if that is not one hell of an effort, I don't know what is. And that was going a mile and an eighth. So certainly don't count her out. I love the fact that she does have a really, really good three other than allowance race, and those are tough races down at the fairgrounds, albeit it was a six-horse field. Uh, she came off that off of a layoff, and she sat ten lengths off the field early, broke last. Certainly don't look for her anywhere on the front end early anywhere soon, but she grew clear in the stretch, scoring by more than six. That's a really good race to get her prepped and ready to go. Asmussen does extremely well second off the layoff. She's a good sit and finish type of runner, has some really good works. Uh, April 10th, two works back here at Oakland, five furlongs in a minute and one fifth. So, yeah. Certainly look for Steve to have this one primed and ready. And let's not forget, she's sired by Curlin. So Steve certainly knows a little thing or two about his babies. Uh, you know, uh, again, folks, uh, if your Eastern Standard will be about uh, 318. Uh, but th- this is could be one for the ages. I mean, it was last year. I, I thought for sure to get the race of the year, the Apple Blossom. Uh, and, and, but but who knows what's going to happen in here. So uh, make sure you tune in to, uh, to Oaklawn Park. We're not going to have enough time get to get to the Oaklawn Handicap. But as I said in my, my release earlier, it looks like the out-of-towner fearless against the one, two, three, four finishers of the Exus at Oaklawn Park. And my producer saying, John, you're running out of time. Say goodbye to Nancy. So. <laughs> Nancy, I will. I'm so glad we finally got together and enjoyed these last few weeks, especially the Derby and the Oaks, uh, watching on TV, rooting for all those Oaklawn grads. Well, we certainly appreciate all the support. And, uh, yeah, we go till May 8th this year. So thank you for all that you do to help promote Oaklawn and this amazing sport as well, John. I speak from the heart. Will you take care? Uh, say hi to Vince Stauffer when you see him for me. H- have a great time off. I want to uh, thank also Matt Bernier for taking time uh, to join us and uh, wish him best of luck in his future endeavors, which are about to change his life. Stay tuned. You'll find out. I'm John Engelhart. Thanks for joining us and listening to another edition of Winning Ponies. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners.